I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at uh, Anderson Hills. I want to ask you a question here to kick off uh, this message. Did you have a favorite teacher growing up? What was it about this person that made them your favorite? Did they take time to understand you? Did they pour their lives in you with their inspirational teaching? Did they help you maybe take the next step in development? Maybe your favorite teacher helped form your character or challenged you in a healthy way. I think one of my favorite teachers was my second grade teacher, Mrs. Ulrich, at Aurora Elementary, just over across the, not to cross the river, I guess it's just over west in Indiana. I struggled in school because I was uh, rather rambunctious and I had an attention span that was not the best, mostly due to sugar. And I got into trouble a lot. Believe it or not, my mom and dad bought me a t-shirt and it said, here comes trouble. And it had blasts of stuff around it and everything. But Mrs. Ulrich looked past my shortcomings and took time to help me and encourage me. Uh, one day, for example, it was in the spring, I was waiting for baseball practice after school, and she and I were in the classrooms, just uh, us, and she got this weird piece of paper, and she had me draw big fish and different size bubbles on it, and then I wrote my name at the bottom. And I thought, oh, okay, that was a pretty, pretty cool lesson there. The next day, she used that sheet of paper to make a worksheet of math problems. And my name was at the bottom, and all the kids in my classroom were like, you did this? They thought, man, you made this worksheet for us. And I was puffed out. I was all smiles and everything. And I just remember Mrs. Ulrich looking at me. Actually, that's right where my desk was. And she was smiling at me. And I'll never forget what she did. This week is week seven of our Godhead series, and we're talking about the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at Jesus' farewell discourse, today we are, in John 14 through 16. And it's called this farewell discourse because he's preparing his disciples for when he's going to depart. And he's basically saying, hey, I'm going to leave, and here's what you expect should expect. And in these chapters, Jesus gives us a lot of insight into how the role of the Holy Spirit is going to be active and involved in their lives in the coming days. Last week, we learned that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our advocate, our helper. And so today, we learn that the Holy Spirit is indeed our teacher. Let's look at John 14, beginning with the 23rd verse. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And remind you of everything I have said to you. You see, the Holy Spirit is not only our advocate, friend, and comforter, but our teacher as well. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will teach the disciples everything that he has done, but then remind them 
of everything that he said to them. And this passage of Scripture really points to the composition of the Gospels. And then also, he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon and giving inspiration to those who write about him. And those red words that we have in the Bible. You ever seen that as a gift? That inspiration and teaching and the giving of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God as a gift. The Word of God is this incredible classroom of life, instruction book. And it's only got your name. You remember, you, some of you are old enough, but maybe, maybe you guys have books like this. There's like tons of names in it. You know, when you got an instruction book, and then you'd write yours and date it, and you could look back who had that book. The Bible is your book. It has your name in it. The instruction from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit wants to teach deep truths through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and also through that Word. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.10. He said, these are the things of God has revealed to us by His Spirit. His Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities and Spirit-taught words. This is deep truths of us understanding. Have you ever read the Word of God, and in that moment, you hear that the Word of God in the ministry of the Holy Spirit for maybe your situation, or maybe it gives you instant faith in the middle of your lack of faith, or maybe it's a simple revelation by what God wants you to, to do or to say to yourself or speak truth into yourself, or maybe in to another person. It also could be that scripture could also cut like a, a divine scalpel and give correction. I love Pastor Rosario's quote. I just saw it on Facebook. Uh, uh, Picardo, he's uh, the uh, United Chapel uh, leader. And he wrote, to, wrote this. He said, the Holy Spirit does not only make you speak in tongues, heal, dance, and sing. The Holy Spirit also makes you shut your mouth apologize, have self-control, function in common sense, and examine yourself. I thought that's, that's a great quote. You see, the Holy Spirit will teach us even when we don't get it the first time or the second time or the 47th time. The Holy Spirit will keep on teaching. And the Holy Spirit is a very, very patient teacher, especially when we get rambunctious on the human journey. In life, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in every stage of life, don't we? And it's amazing how the Spirit shows us things through the ministry of the Word at certain stages in our life and certain things that we go through or grow through. The good teacher is also a good guide. John 16 13 says, The Spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. How do we do that? By staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, 
Let us keep in step with the Spirit. This word live and walk is really used interchangeably. The picture here is that the spiritual life is really a walking process. You know, we're all pilgrims on this journey of life. And there's really not a destination. It's a journey that constantly and continues throughout our lives. And we're walking with God as our guide. Scripture time and time and time again talks about God's guidance. Psalm 19, 133 says, Guide my steps by your word so I won't be overcome by evil. Psalm 23, and how this ministers to people, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see the guidance happens as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how the Spirit uses so many resources to help encourage us and to reveal hidden things or to give us confidence in those moments, especially what we're going through now. He teaches us in the midst of circumstances like COVID-19. I believe that. He also teaches us as we listen to worship music. Isn't that incredible how worship just teaches? You know, being crushed and, and all these things and how this praise band just ministered to us. And we, as we give our hearts and worship, it's almost like God just transfers that teaching through the ministry of worship as well. And then sermons. Sometimes I'll preach a sermon and somebody will come up to me and say, wow, that really was, that really spoke to me. And I was like, man, that was a stinker, man. I really did not, I don't know how in the world God used that. But anyway... <laughs> It's just amazing what the Holy Spirit can do through the ministry and proclamation of the word. God deeply desires to guide your steps. And through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can experience amazing navigation when it comes to decisions and healing the hurts and habits and hang-ups. And the only way to progress in this walk is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And we do that in the rhythm of the spiritual disciplines in the practices that we have here at Anderson Hills. I was in the Air Force, and I learned how to march, and there was always a cadence that was given, and sometimes it would just be annoying. <laughs> left, right, left, right, left, right, left, and then double time. <laughs> you know, halt, about face, you know, and you had to listen to those steps, or if you went this way, and the guy went this way, or gal, you would mess the whole flight up. <laughs> And so we have to tune in to what is being instructed as we step and walk with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit specifically guided Jesus' followers throughout the New Testament. And you can see that especially in Acts. In Acts chapter 8, there's this clear and specific instruction. And I love the, the ministry of Philip through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It was like the Holy Spirit said, hey, Philip, go down to this road um, Desert Road, it goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he starts out, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Holy Spirit gives more specific instructions, says, go up next to the chariot. So Peter's like running next to the chariot. And he hears this eunuch reading this word of God. It was just a prophecy about Jesus Christ from Isaiah. And Philip's like, okay, I know what this Holy Spirit's doing now. Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch's like, I don't know, man. And so he jumps up into the chariot after that invitation, and Philip ministers to him, 
preaches the gospel, he becomes a Christian. He says, look, here's water, man. What is keeping me from being baptized? Philip baptizes him right, right there, and then the Spirit takes Philip away. And then this guy, he's riding in a chariot, and he's so filled with the Holy Spirit, he takes it back to Ethiopia. And you see just specific, strategic ministry and guidance as Philip walks under that guidance and direction. You see, what we see from the beginning of end in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit directing missional ministry, helping them rely on that mission. God directs his followers to spread the gospel in specific ways, and God guides them in the mission of the church on how to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that video, didn't you guys dig that video? The pandemic, that was a great title, Pandemic Pivot. I believe Without a shadow of a doubt, that video occurred because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and guidance of the Spirit. I believe it. Because I see such a harmony in the laity and staff here. And I see God just sending us out despite what's around us with these threats. And it's so cool how that is taking place. And so we see it constantly that God is helping us with our purpose and our mission and the transformation and our calling. We see this in Acts chapter 9. There's this Pharisee named Saul who persecuted Christians. He encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And Jesus blinds him by the light, and he can't see anymore. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he's, he finds out that this Jesus Christ is in, indeed Lord of all. And so he goes back to Damascus, and then the, here, the Holy Spirit comes alongside a guy named Ananias, and he says, go, man, Saul's my chosen instrument. He's to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, kings, and, and people of Israel. And Ananias, he's like, man, I'm not doing this. This guy, this guy persecutes Christians, and you're probably going to persecute me. And there's some fear there, man. But he goes instead, he's obedient to the Holy Spirit. And he comes, up to, he comes up to Saul and he goes, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says immediately these scales came off of Saul's eyes. He was baptized first. And then he was given food and he got his strength. And he begins to preach. And then Saul gets a name change to the Apostle Paul. And you see the ministry of the Holy Spirit and teaching happen with Paul. And you have these incredible letters. And we have access to these Holy Spirit, uh, divine-inspired letters. And Romans and First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Timothy, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. I don't have to name them all, but you get it? I mean, you read these powerful letters, and you're just like, man! And you see just the mindset change that happened to Paul. And you see his obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You see, God wants to utilize us and bring words of healing and acts of love to help people move into God's purposes and plan. And God uses us as teachers in rhythm with his divine spirit to help people try to understand. Just like Philip, just like Ananias, and just like Paul. And God walks beside us, inviting us to keep in step with those promptings, teaching us to follow his direction, rely on his encouragement and strength. And as the Holy Spirit empowers our lives, 
It sets us free to move forward into a deeper life in the Spirit as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, loving and serving on behalf of Christ. The Holy Spirit teaches us to love with our whole hearts and love people sacrificially. You know, sometimes this walk with the Spirit is treacherous. (laughs) Sometimes it looks outright impossible. And sometimes we face these challenges in life that maybe threaten our security and might overwhelm us. And sometimes we just want to sit down and refuse to go. I'm not going with you, Lord, there, as you're walking beside me. No way, I'm staying here. But he's right there. He's like, come on, trust, man, trust. And no matter what, on this lifelong trail in step with the Spirit, he'll never leave. Offering to us everything We need to take the next step. And sometimes that next step is like an 80-pound concrete on our foot. But he orders our steps. A few years ago, I was struggling with my calling as a pastor. I was so discouraged in ministry. You guys wouldn't even believe how discouraged I was. And I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would help me revitalize this church. And it still was dying and The money was just not coming in, and and I was doing, I did 21 funerals one year. 21 in a small little church. And the Holy Spirit heard my groanings. And I was even at the point where I was just going to toss in the towel, and I started working on my degree at Xavier and and graduate degree in counseling, and I was going to do a job, job change, folks. I was. But soon found out God was teaching me through that time. And God wanted me to do some risky, bold, new ministries initiative outside the church through the ministry called Fresh Expressions. And you hear about it. This dude going to, with his team, into breweries. And we go over down, down the road in and, and, uh, Charlotte and Laura's art studio. And we've been to you know, the veterans place. And we're developing some in assisted living centers. And And, you know, you would not believe the specific and strategic activity of the Holy Spirit along this process to get me back to my home church doing wonderful, energizing ministry. And guys, you have that calling as well. And it's purposeful in the midst of what you're going through in the the waiting times. We have to be obedient to that teaching. And listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. And so that's the other component of a spirit-filled life. Let's go back to the text. You can see 23 and 24 there. There it is. Bing. We, uh, we read this. So just take a look at this. See the word obey. Obey or not obey. I'll make my home in them. Whoever loves me obeys my word. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Isn't it interesting how many times in John's gospel, in the letters of John, that author just interchangeably uh, puts love and obedience together as a walk together in rhythm. Love looks like obedience in John's writings. You know, if you say you love God, you got to do what God says. And it's not just a warm, fuzzy, i got my hair staying on my back. It's really a discipline, walk in obedience. And when we love God through obedience, it'll become 
in that freedom and love, it'll become joyful obedience. And that's why when we proclaim at communion, free us for joyful obedience. Because that we find that love, it just becomes a mutual love. And it's reciprocal as we obey. I don't know, you parents know this. I know this. When your kid, you're talking to them and you're trying to, trying to teach them some, some truths and some of the life lessons. And isn't it cool when they do what you're trying to teach? And you're like, man, they got it. And you're just so proud. Man, I'm a good parent. And they just love me. They're listening to me. I think it kind of goes on the same with the prayer or parental love of God. And see, we're all God's children. And we walk in that obedience, that joyful obedience. And we find that God makes his home in us. And we're surrounded by that encouragement. And it's not just obedience in the big things. It's obedience in the small things as well, folks. In Columbus, Ohio, some years ago, a man named Melvin Kaiser was behind an armored car on Interstate 71. He saw the rear door swing open on this armored car, and blue plastic bags fell to the pavement. These bags were striking passing motorists, causing showers of tens and twenties and $50 bills to go all over Interstate 71. It was wall-to-wall money scattered across the highway. Kaiser pulled over because he recently bought a 40-acre farm to grow Christmas trees. And he looked at these bundles of money lying on the road, and he reached down to grab them, looking and saying to himself, there's a new tractor right there. And dozens and dozens of motorists weren't so honest because Kaiser took those bags of money and returned them to the police station. He was criticized by his friends for turning in the money, but he wasn't criticized by his proud mother. His mother said, I'm not surprised at all what Melvin did. That's the way I brought him up. Melvin was responding to the ways he always responded because he was taught that way by his mother, and he was obedient to the standards and values of her. And I think he probably did that joyfully. Hey, policeman, check this out. (laughs) $57,000. Honesty. You know, it's, it's hard training day in and day out, being obedient to the word. Do it. Take it for a test spin. Just surrender and do it. Walk in ministry with the Holy Spirit. You know what will happen? I said it before. You'll experience freedom in his love. You will. And it's agape, giving, gracious love. And God's peace will surround you. And in turn, you'll find it easy to love God, even when those challenging times come. God's teaching ministry by way of the Holy Spirit and through God's word will have a magnificent return on your obedience investment. I guarantee it. Joyful obedience to the Spirit is essential to our deep spiritual truths. It makes a difference. It can make the difference in the lives of children and grandchildren and and, uh, stepchildren and foster children. You know, a study done a few years ago disclosed some interesting statistics. If both mother and father attended church regularly, 72% of the children will remain faithful in worship attendance. If only a father attends, 55 remain faithful. If a mother is the only one attending with children, 15% will remain faithful. 
If neither parents go regularly, only 6% of the children will remain in the church. And think about the impact of that in the legacy of our lives. It's obedience, and it impacts generations. Listening and being obedient to the promptings and teaching of the Holy Spirit will transform your life and the lives of those around you. Meditating on the word and allowing God's word to become a part of you and then being a doer of that word will renovate your environment inside of you and around you. And partnering with the Holy Spirit will lead you, as the Bible said, in all, A-L-L, all truth. You know, (laughs) several years ago, I found out my second grade teacher, Mrs. Ulrich, is a Christian. Like I said, I'll never forget what she did to help me. And right now, thinking back, you know, that second grade decision was a small little decision she made in the, maybe around 1978. (laughs) But she was being obedient, I believe, to the greatest teacher ever. Holy Spirit prompted her to invest some time in a goofy, rambunctious, toe-headed kid. And here I stand today with that story impacting my life from a second grade teacher. And don't you forget it, folks. Small, little things done with great love through the ministry and prompting of the Holy Spirit will impact lives. And maybe some kid that you're teaching in Sunday school or somebody you have in life group or somebody you're teaching right now in the public school system will be able to stand there and say, that person taught me and was a good, good teacher. Let's pray. God, you desire for us to... uh, to listen to your teaching voice, to lean forward in our desks <laughs> and to read that instruction book that you give us that only has our name in it. You want to teach us as a son, daughter, student, teacher, wife, husband, nurse, CPA, or even maybe in, in the midst of being unemployed. You want to teach us. You want us to be obedient to your teaching because it's going to deepen our faith. And that faith will be contagious. God, may we walk in step with your spirit. And we thank you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for being the most amazing teacher ever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.